1: Gideon is the only judge where the struggles with his faith is recorded. Gideon then becomes a great encouragement to us. He becomes a great encouragement to us as we struggle with our faith. Gideon encourages us as we struggle with the idea, can God really use me? Can God really use me? Can God really get anything out of me? Can I really be used by God? Gideon's the story for you,
0: man. We sometimes think that the mighty biblical figures we study are superhuman or possess unattainable character. This isn't the case, however, and Pastor Dave will point that out with Gideon, a judge over Israel. Gideon was afraid and even questioned God's motives and methods. But God still used him to do incredible things. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 6 with part 3 of his message, Mighty Men of Valor.
1: Verse 6, it says, So Israel greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Israel thought it was the Midianites who were the problem. Israel's thinking, well, wait a minute. The Midianites are the problem. Get rid of the Midianites. I'm not going to say that right. And we won't have a problem. Get rid of these guys and we won't have a problem. Not thinking that they were the problem. <laughs> they were the problem. Oh, how easy it is to blame others. God sent his messenger to tell them who the real problem was. You haven't obeyed my voice, Israel. Excuse me. The Midianites taking on our screen. Midianites are beating us up and doing horrible things. And you're blaming us? Right. Why do you think I sent the Midianites? You haven't obeyed my voice. God always gets to the heart of the problem. And the heart of the matter is always our heart. The heart of the matter is always our heart. And God gets right to it. Israel was disobedient. Israel thought the Midianites were the real problem. And it's human nature. It's human nature when something goes wrong. Let's throw somebody else under the bus. Let's throw somebody else under the bus so they can get the blame. I certainly aren't wrong. Oh. How horrible my sin looks on you. Oh, how horrible the sin that I have looks upon you. Upon me, it doesn't look so bad. But oh, when I see it in you, oh my gosh. We love to blame others. We love to look at others and say it's their fault, not my fault. There's a message that the prophet shows that when Israel cried out to the Lord, they didn't understand that they were the problem. Their cry to God did not mean that they recognized their sin or repented of it. Doesn't mean that they recognized it or repented of it. But let me say this. Crying out to God is a good place to start. It's a great place to start. It's a great place to make that turnaround. Great place to make that move. You haven't obeyed my voice. Ooh. That's the kind of thing I don't want to hear from the Lord. I don't want to get a phone call on my cell phone. Dave, this is the Lord. You haven't obeyed my voice. I don't want to hear that. Cry out to God. Enter our hero. Enter Gideon. Just the farmer. Kind of like Mac Yazar standing up in front of 450,000 people at Woodstock. I'm just the farmer. Gideon was just a farmer. That's what he did. He was an ordinary guy. And God was going to call them to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. It's an interesting note here that more space is devoted to Gideon in the book of Judges than any other judge, even Samson. Even Samson. As I said earlier, Gideon is the only judge, where the struggles with his faith is recorded. Gideon then becomes a great encouragement to us. He becomes a great encouragement to us as we struggle with our faith. Gideon encourages us as we struggle with the idea, can God really use me? Can God really use me? Can God really get anything out of me? Can I really be used by God? Well, Gideon's the story for you, man. And while we study Gideon, we can answer many questions that come to our mind when we're going through trials, when we're going through afflictions, when we're going through testing, when we're going through chastising. We ask questions like, does God really care about me? Does God really know what he's doing? How many have ever asked that question? I've asked that question. God, do you really know what you're doing? (laughs) Things look totally out of control. Lord, what's going on here? God, will you really take care of me? And God, do you really keep your promises? The first answer to the first question is found in verses 11 through 13. Let's look at those now. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a tinder tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles of which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. God had certainly chastised Israel with the Midianites. They cried out to help he sent him a prophet to make way for the deliverer. But Israel showed no sign of true dependence. And God's heart was moved. God's heart was moved. And his mercy was extended towards his children like a good, good father that he is. Isaiah the prophet said something really interesting in Isaiah 63. You don't have to turn here; I'll do that for you. In Isaiah 63, beginning in verse 9. Speaking about God's mercy, he said, In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Wow. Wow. God had mercy on them. He looked down upon Israel and his heart melted because they were his people. They were his children. And although they showed no sign of true repentance, God knew that he could get something out of them. See, God's mercy doesn't give us what we truly deserve. And through his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve. Gideon's in the wine press threshing wheat. (laughs) Right away, you know something's wrong. He's hiding, it says there. He's hiding. Many people have called Gideon a coward. I don't know. I'm not sure. But he's hiding. He's hiding in this wine press, threshing wheat. It's a curious place to be threshing wheat. It's meant to be pressing wine. But the angel of the Lord comes when he appears to him. And we recognize the angel of the Lord immediately because he's appeared before in Old Testament. It's a theophany. The Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. He has come in human bodily form before Bethlehem. Before the Bethlehem birth, before his incarnation, the description of the encounter with the angel of the Lord shows that it's not merely an angel speaking on behalf of God. It shows that it is none other than God himself appearing in human form. Let me point it out to you. In Judges 6.14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Judges 6.16, And the Lord said to him, It was God speaking to Gideon directly. Wow. I have fun with verse 12, and everybody loves verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And I want to know, did Gideon look around to see if somebody else was there? I don't know. Mighty man of valor. Why did God say that? Why did the Lord say that of our buddy Gideon? Why did he say that? He looked upon him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Well, I think the Lord knew what he could do with a heart like Gideon's. See, the Lord sees a finished product in us. The Lord sees a completion in us. Now, his work is not completed while I'm here on earth. I'm under construction. But the Lord sees a completed product. He can see a completeness. The Lord sees a completed work. He calls things that are not as if they're so. Gideon, mighty man of valor. He knew what he could make of Gideon. He knew what he could do with Gideon. And a heart like that, God knows what he can do with you today. He knows what he can do with a heart that is towards him. And I always take you. Never get tired of the word of God. To 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God's looking for men. He's looking for women that he can show himself strong on behalf of them. Those that are seeking God with their whole heart. Those that are looking for him not only in times of trouble, but all the times of our lives, looking to God, seeking his face, coming to Bible study when you could be home watching the opening of American Idol. Coming to Bible study instead of doing other things, studying God's word, doing the things you want to do, studying him, praying, being in fellowship. God's looking for someone he can work about. Maybe God has chosen you. Maybe God has chosen you for something really special in your family. Families are falling apart. They are being decimated by wickedness. They're being decimated by drugs. They're being decimated by sex and pornography. They're being decimated by gambling and every other known sin to man. Families are being torn to shreds. Maybe God wants to use you in your own family to bring people to Christ. Neighborhoods are falling apart. Homelessness is beyond belief. The number of people who are without homes. Can you imagine being without a home? Can you imagine having nowhere to sleep? Not even a blanket to cover up with. World, our nation, is falling apart. Politicians are running amok. Government seems to be out of touch with reality. We don't know what's happening. But I do know one thing, and I do know that God is still on the throne. God is still seated on the heavenly places, and he's still interested in what happens to you. And every person in this room and every person out there, he's interested in them. And he's looking for a heart that he says, says, go to this group of people and minister my love to them. Go to this group of people. It might be your family. It may be the homeless. It may be other people. It may be, who knows? It may be to the... People who are in addiction to the actual users and the drug dealers. I don't know where God wants to send you. So many of us are afraid. Oh, Lord, don't send me to the deepest, darkest parts of Africa. Don't send me over to Israel. Don't send me to Syria. Don't send me to these places. We're so afraid. We need to be like Isaiah after we saw the Lord. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? That's what he's looking for. He sees this in Gideon. He sees this in Gideon. Gideon comes back at the Lord with some basic questions saying, Lord, you don't care for us. You don't care for us. See how misunderstanding Gideon is? You don't care for us, Lord. You're letting all these things happen to us. Oh, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? How many of you might have said that during a time of woe or tragedy? How many of you might have said during a tragedy, maybe even the death of a loved one or or something like that? How many of you said, Lord, if you were for us, how come this happened? Martha and Mary said the exact same thing to Jesus. Remember? Said the exact same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you'd have been here, this would have happened to our brother. But there was a purpose. There was a purpose. There was a purpose. God had a purpose. When I hear Gideon talk, I'm reminded of Moses as he goes up to the burning bush. And the Lord tells him, I know. I love that verse. When Moses gets before the burning bush, the Lord says to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his faith, for he's afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said this, verse 7, chapter 3. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. Wow. I'm here to tell you today, but the Lord has seen the oppression that you may be under. The Lord has heard your cries, and he knows your sorrows. That's what he's going to say to Gideon. Gideon says, where are all the miracles we heard about? Where are all the things that happened? Why have you forsaken us? See, Gideon, Israel thought the problem was with the Midianites. God comes down and Gideon says, the problem's not with the Midianites. The problem's not with Israel, Lord. The problem's with you. And you call Gideon a coward? (laughs) I think he's pretty bold. I think he's pretty brave to stand before God and says, hey, Lord, you're the problem. Well, the Lord has forsaken us. It was Israel that forsook God. God did not forsake Israel. Same goes for us. Many of us think that during our time of woe that God has forsaken us. He says, not so. I will never leave nor forsake you. We need to examine our hearts to make sure that we're not the ones forsaking him. Make sure we're not the ones that are leaving him. Verse 14, then the Lord said to Gideon, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Go in the might of yours. Listen to the encouragement that the Lord has given Gideon. Go in this might, Gideon. He wasn't mocking Gideon. He was saying, go in your might. Gideon was might of the humble. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. He had the might of carrying because he cared about how low Israel had become. He had the might of knowledge because he knew God did great things in the past. He had the might of spiritual hungry because he wanted to see God do great works again. And he had the might of teachableness because he listened to what the angel of the Lord said. And he had the might of the weak. And we know that when we are weak, God is strong. God's strength. Oh, Lord, he says, how can I save Israel? He goes on. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon's ready to be a Calvary Chapel pester. He is the least of the least. Paul declared, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the apostles, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Gideon said, hey, I'm nobody. And God says, you're the right person for the job, Gideon. You don't have this high opinion of yourself. You don't have a sword strapped to your belt. You're not ready to go to war. You're ready to be used. You're pliable. Gideon, you're available. And you're making your heart available to me, and I'm going to use you mightily. Yes, your clan is the lowest of Manasseh. Yeah, that's okay. That's true. Yeah, you're the least of all those guys. And you might be the smallest person. And you might be the least. But you're correct, Gideon. You can't save Israel but I can. I like that. I like that. I really do. Gideon was honest. Lord, I can't save Israel. He said, you're right, but I can. A great God can use a small, weak Gideon. A great, great God can use a small, weak person to do. A, look what he did with 120 people. Stuck in a small room, waiting for 50 some odd days. Waiting. Waiting. Because the Lord told them to wait there. They didn't have any talent. They were fishermen. They were from all walks of life. They were poor. They were lowly. They were hunted. They were criminals. Look what the Lord did with them. After the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says they turned the world upside down. The Lord says, surely I'll be with you. Verse 16, this is where we're going to end today. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Oh, man. Can you imagine Gideon? You can't tell me that Gideon didn't pull a Jackie Gleason. Humana, 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 humana. You can't tell me what was going through his mind. You can't tell me he didn't say that. Like what? I'll be with you, Gideon, and you're going to do a mighty work. I'm going to be with you. You're going to defeat those guys. God's insurance was not to build up his self-confidence. He wasn't trying to blow smoke up Gideon. He was trying to tell him, Gideon, I'm going to do this and I'm going to use you to do it. I am with you. Gideon didn't need more self-confidence. Gideon needed more God confidence. Gideon needed to know. It's important to know that God has sent us, but it's even greater to know that as he sends us, he is with us. As he sends us, he is with us. God gave the exact same assurance to our buddy Moses in the same chapter. As you go, I will be with you. I will give you words to say. I'm going to do everything. Just go. Jesus gave the believers gathered that day in Matthew the same thing. He told them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, it's not us going. That makes a difference. It's God going with us. Or should I say, God going before us that makes the difference. God will raise up Gideon. And Gideon will have many series of tests of faith as we continue this study next week. Gideon's faith will be shaken. But yet God will continue to strive with him and deal with him and help him to understand that he is the one that God chose. I think God does that with us. When he chooses us to do something, he does everything in his power to let us know that we are the ones. We are the ones that he has chosen to do this work. There have been times when I have been most miserable in my position as pastor of Calvary Chapel, that I have prayed on my knees to the Lord, what does he want me to do? And I am always always encouraged and regenerated when I hear his voice said, I have chosen you for this. When we know that it's God doing it. There's so much pressure that's off of us because it's his church and he has a work to do and he wants to continue it. And for some crazy reason, he's chosen us. Yes, we are weak. Sometimes we can be wicked. But he loves us as he loves his children. I think he wants us to go. It all fits in with the plan that God has for us. I don't know. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So that's part one of Gideon. Read ahead. Read back. See what the Lord says to you over the 16 verses of chapter 6 that we studied. Read ahead. Watch Gideon as he goes through his rounds with the Lord and see what the Lord does through him.
0: You are a sure hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for A Sure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel, Cape May, will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the Book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the Word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on Assure Hope.